Morning Salutations. This is episode 17 of the Purely Pigskin Podcast, and I'm your host, Pete Noyd. I'm flying solo this week, which is a new experience and a good opportunity to reflect on this whole podcasting expedition to date. I've done 16 episodes so far, and with me over the course of those 16 episodes have been eight amazing guest hosts. These guys are my friends, and I gotta tell you, I couldn't be more thankful to them for coming on this podcast with me. Each of them have been fantastic, and they will be back. But for this one episode, I'm flying solo, and it's a good opportunity for me to reflect a little, not just on this first batch of episodes, but on the journey that eventually led me to start a podcast on the sport of football in the first place. From a young age, I've watched football on Sunday afternoons. And going back to when I was a kid, I remember watching on a fuzzy TV. Uh, I've been watching football for that long. Uh, I remember watching the games that were designated to be on network television. Uh, I saw a lot of the Buffalo Bills being up here in the greater Toronto area. But I also saw a lot of some of the other teams, uh, some of the best teams in the NFL, And I saw a lot of the other teams in the AFC East because that's who Buffalo was playing. So the AFC East has always got a lot of coverage up here, and that's how I became a fan of the Miami Dolphins. But I was really doing more than watching the football games. As interested as I was in the sport of football, in the game of watching and copying, what I was seeing played out on the screen... I was also paying attention to the commentators, and I paid attention to what they said. I paid attention to how they said it, and it was very captivating to me to be able to listen to these guys go. Now, if you're a fan of football, you know who John Madden is. You may have varying degrees of uh, knowledge or understanding about who he is exactly and his contributions to the game of football, but when I was growing up, John Madden was simply the man. He was the best commentator around, and since then there's been none like him. He had such an amazing ability to communicate the game of football with a very wide audience, and to do it in a way that really brought people in and got them excited about the game, because he was excited about the game. You know, he'd be going over the replays and saying, See, look at this guy right here. He hits him and then boom. You know, and he was he really was the guy that popularized the telestrator. And he'd drawn his X's and O's and scribbles all over the screen. Uh, it was simply a marvel to behold. And it really captivated my attention from a young age. And ever since that point, I've always taken notice of commentators and how they apply their craft. But more so than that, as I grew up with this, you know, the watching and the listening, and eventually uh, trying this uh, announcing thing out. And uh, it brought me to the place, I remember in my early 20s, I was working at a car dealership, and I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. And one of the things that I thought of was becoming a sports broadcaster. Whether that was behind a a news desk or uh, commentating on games, I wasn't sure, but I was interested in it. And uh, the sports radio station here in Toronto, at the time, the Fan 590, put together what they called the Dream Job Competition. It was a competition where anyone could come down, 
give their hot takes about any sport that they wanted, and you would be judged by their on-air talent. And uh, if you were good enough, the winner would end up with their very own radio show on the Fan 590 on Sundays. And so I gathered up the courage and uh, I explored this opportunity. All I knew was that they were going to give me a minute and a half to share my hottest sports takes and then I would be judged by the on-air talent that was right there in front of me. So I spent hours putting together the the most solid takes that I possibly could. I managed to squeeze them all down into 90 seconds, and I even memorized them, which is something that's always been a struggle for me. I even memorized it right down to the letter. I get down there. There were already so many people down there. I guess I wasn't alone in wanting to pursue this dream of sorts, but I, I got down there and was handed a piece of paper with 15 topics on it, and they said, you're going you're gonna to be asked one of these topics uh, on the spot, and you need to give your take on that. So right there, I was thrown for a loop, and I guess that's what they wanted to do. Anyway, I went in, uh, I did my spiel, it felt pretty good, but I knew I wasn't going to be the best, didn't get the job, sadly, and uh, went about my way. And you know, as fun as that experience was, uh, I felt that I was being called elsewhere anyway. So at the end of the day, that wasn't going to be for me. But I've always had this great interest, not just in sports, not just in football specifically, but in commentating. And uh, so that has really been my origin story, if you will, in terms of coming to the place where I might start a podcast on football. And I got to say that even just being 16 episodes into my first season, this has been a real labor of love. It's a lot of fun for me to do this. I enjoy it a lot. And I've enjoyed immensely having these guests hosts on who are my friends. And uh, I look forward to having them on again. And I'm, I'm very thankful to you, the listener. And I don't know who's listening. You know, I, I see the stats uh, show up uh, online, but uh, it only gives me numbers. It doesn't give me names. So if you are a listener of this podcast, whether you've listened to one episode or all 16, I just want to pause for a minute and say thank you. Thank you for being part of this journey with me. I truly do enjoy this, and I hope there will be many more episodes to come. Certainly, as we're looking forward to the end of the season, we know there's going to be a lot more action to come. And uh, I am so excited to see this thing through. I've got about 36 total episodes planned, so we're about halfway there. Uh, we'll be going right through the Super Bowl, and then we'll, there will be a brief break up until April, and then I hope to put together four episodes in the month of April that will be all draft shows, getting us ready for the 2022 NFL Draft. That's going to be really exciting. But before us right now, we have Week 8 to look back on. We've got Week 9 to look forward to. So let's get to it. You know, last week I was talking about games that I was looking forward to in Week 8, and right up there with the rest of them was the Thursday night football game between the Green Bay Packers and the Arizona Cardinals. And as I said last week, I didn't really see the Packers winning that game. Well, guess what? It was a ruse. It was all a ruse so that you would be tricked, so that I would put the reverse jinx on the Arizona Cardinals undefeated going in to week eight. They finally lost, 
And so my 72 Dolphins can pop the champagne once again and celebrate the fact that they are the only team in NFL history to go the entire regular season and playoffs undefeated, the only perfect season. <laughs> no, I kid, I kid. You know, I got to say, what an effort from the Green Bay Packers. I, you know, I really did not see them winning this game, being without Devontae Adams, being without Alan Lazard, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, their top three receivers and, and perhaps the best wide receiver in the, in the game today. But they fought it out. They gritted their teeth and they came away with the victory. I thought they were going to lose it right at the end there. Arizona got the ball uh, inside their own five-yard line. Even though they had trouble getting outside of the 10, I thought if they can just get this drive going, I think they're going to take it the distance. Sure enough, they go right down the field. They're on the doorstep, and you get a miscommunication. A.J. Green did not hear the audible. He thought he was blocking for a run play. Kyler Murray throws in the ball. It's picked off in the end zone, and the game is over. But you know what? What a great effort by the Packers. This really, to me, shows that they're for real. You know, nobody's going to catch them. There's no question, I don't think. I don't think anybody in the NFC North is going to be able to keep up with the Packers this year. They're just too good, and they're showing that they can win in different ways, uh, unlike some of the other teams out there, like the Chiefs, like we've discussed on this podcast already. So, you know, great win for the Packers. And i got to say, even though the Cardinals lost, it's a game they surely would have wanted to have, of course. But you know what? They're still right there. Hey, they're 7-1. and one. They're still atop the NFC West, and they're going to be a player for the rest of the season. So a good game to kick off the week. I'm sure both teams will be looking for another W this week. Another game that I was uh, really looking forward to that I got to watch a lot of on Sunday was the Steelers and the Browns. And, you know, these AFC North matchups are just so important. The Steelers, I think, to the surprise of many, uh, came away with a win in this one, 15-10 over the Browns. Very much a defensive battle. The offenses really had trouble moving the ball. Uh, you know, I'm not sure if that says more about uh, where these offenses are or where, where these defenses are. I, I think it's actually an indictment on the offenses right now. For the Browns, I think they can look to the injuries. They're, they're still banged up on the offensive side of the ball. For the Steelers, though, I think they really need to get going. Uh, but they were bailed out, I think, by Najee Harris, who has just really uh, been handed the rock for, since week one and uh, really taken that ball and run with it in more ways than one. He's been great for them, and he did enough on Sunday to get the Steelers out in front. There's no secrets between these two. So uh, if you were expecting a blowout or a high-scoring game, uh, I'm not sure that was ever on the cards these two teams know each other very well. They know exactly what they want to do uh, on the offensive side of the ball, and that's going to make it tough. So it was a great close game, but i got to say the Steelers, uh, big props to them because they, they absolutely had to have this win. There's no question about that. They had to win this game, and they did. Uh, they pulled themselves back into contention with that one. And you know what? Uh, the final verdict on this one is that on both sides – and for the other two teams in this division, the Bengals and the Ravens, these divisional games are really going to decide the fate of each team. 
You know, they'll get their wins and they'll they'll probably tack on a couple of losses outside of the division. But this, more than most divisions, is all going to come down to each team's record within the division. You absolutely have to beat your closest rivals uh, if you want a chance at winning the division or making the playoffs in a wild card spot. So I really just can't wait until uh, we see more of these games because it's just great football and it's going to be awesome. Titans Colts, uh, another game that, uh, and another battle, interdivision battle that uh, I talked about with Colin last week on the show. Uh, I was really looking forward to this one because this division is really a two team battle, and the Colts absolutely had to have this one. They looked good early. They jumped out to a 14 0 lead on the Titans, looked like they were in control, but the Titans fought back, made a game of it. It eventually went to overtime, and unfortunately for Carson Wentz and the Colts, came up just short. Wentz threw two backbreaking interceptions, it has to be said, uh, that pretty much handed the game to the Titans. So the Colts had this one. Wentz was, you know, for all the negative stories and the injuries and all that stuff leading into the season, he's played really well so far. Coming into this game, he had gone uh, over 200 pass attempts without an interception only to throw these two right near the end of the game cost them the win so that's a tough pill to swallow for the Colts because it's really tough to see them coming back I'm not going to write them off just yet Uh, and I say that because the Titans as impressive as they have been their injuries continue to mount this week they lost Derrick Henry out for the year Unquestionably, Henry is their MVP. Their entire offense is run through him, whether they're handing him the football or uh, going off a play action. So, you know, this is such a big loss for the Tennessee Titans. They have since signed Adrian Peterson, and I do think that's a good signing. But uh, AP, as good as he's been, is no Derrick Henry. And uh, it's really going to be an uphill battle. Even though they're in the driver's seat in this division, the AFC South right now, it's really going to be an uphill climb for them the rest of the year. So, you know, the Colts, I think, are going to rue their losses this year. They started 0-3. They started to get back on track. But in a game like this, divisional game, they had to have it. Bottom line, they didn't come up with the victory and they're back to the drawing board. They'll hope to get back in the winner's column again this week, but that one that one really stung, I thought. And then we got the Saints and the Bucks, uh, the final of the, the, the big games that I was really looking forward to, another divisional game. The Saints, at home, defend their keep. They beat off Brady and, the, and his Bucks 36-27. They really frustrated Brady and the Bucks' offense throughout this game. They had to earn everything out there. Nothing was being given to them, uh, save perhaps for that uh, 50-yard touchdown pass Brady threw to a wide-open receiver there in the third quarter, I believe it was. Uh, but other than that, you know, the Saints really made the Bucks earn their yards and, and really wore them down over the course of the game. Trevor Simeon comes into the game, and he plays admirably well, very well for them on the spot, in a game that they really needed to have. And that was really something to see. And what this tells me about the New Orleans Saints, you know, I remember going back to the preseason and talking about our predictions about what was going to happen in this division. I think most people agreed that the Bucks 
would win this division. But after that, there was a bit of debate. I had a couple of guys on that said, you know, I really like the Carolina Panthers this year. And for me, it was second place was going to come down to the Panthers and the Saints. And I, I have a lot of respect for Sean Payton. He's a fighter. He's never going to give up. He's going to give you everything. He's going to, he's going to do everything in his power to put a competitive team on the football field. And even though they're dealing with their own great QB retiring and Drew Brees, they have really fought hard this year. And he's got these guys going. And you know what? It's game on. It is game on in this division now. I think the Bucks will still win uh, in the end, but it's notable to say that since Tom Brady has become the quarterback of the Bucks, the Saints are five and zero against the Bucks in this division in the regular season. Of course, the Bucks did knock the Saints out of the playoffs last year, but five in a row in the regular season for Sean Payton and his Saints over Tom Brady's Bucks. Brady also, you got to say, we give him the praise. We got to give him some uh, criticism, and it, it was well deserved. He threw a couple interceptions, including one to end the game. And you know, you look back, the Saints scored a field goal to go up 29 27 with a minute 41 on the clock. And at that point, you just assume Brady's getting the ball. He's going to march his team down the field. They're going to score the game-winning touchdown or field goal or whatever they need to do, and this game is going to be over. But what happens? Brady throws a bad interception. It gets taken back to the house. Game over. So, hey, I'm sure Brady will rebound. They've got the bye week to lick their wounds, and when they come back, they'll probably be back healthier as well. You know, they were without Antonio Brown and Rob Gronkowski, whose back spasms were acting up again. Uh, but they're they're going to use this time to get healthy, and they'll be back. But I'm, I'm really excited to see how this fight goes from here on out in the NFC South. Now, a couple other notable results. It was the Eagles over the Lions, 44-6. You know, a lot of people, uh, the Lions, I think, were a popular pick this week to get their first win, but it just wasn't happening. Uh, they truly look like a team that has given up, and that's really too bad. I started to say it last week. And uh, I'll say it again now, is that Dan Campbell's kind of won me over as a coach, and I can't help but root from the guy. He's a passionate guy. He wears his emotions on his sleeve. He wants so hard to put his team in a position to win, to fight hard, to go home and, and put that stamp of approval on their effort at least. But at the end of the day, you know what? They're, they're 0-8, and... Uh, their season's over, and it looks like they really gave up this one. Jalen Hurts barely had to throw the football. They were running the ball up up and down the field on the Lions, and uh, that's never a good sign. Buffalo over my Dolphins, 26-11, in a game that surprised me a little because the Dolphins really hung in there. Uh, this was a defensive battle, at least for the first half. After that, though, third quarter, you could see the Bills start to uh, assert their authority over the game a little more. The Dolphins' offense went from, you know, not much to nothing, and the Bills pulled away at the end. I gotta say, you know, that at the end of the game, all they had to do was really run the football up the middle a few times and end the game. But they decided to have Josh Allen run for another touchdown, and uh, that was something he did a lot in the fourth quarter, especially was run the ball, invite contact. He took a couple of licks, but you know, he seemed kind of upset, and this is something I've noticed in the past several games that the you know it almost seems to go above and beyond the Bills Dolphins rivalry 
they really seem intent on sticking it to the Dolphins. And you, you got to admit, uh, they've really had our number for, I think they've won at least six in a row, maybe seven now over the Dolphins. So it's a bad run for us Dolphins fans in that fixture and a bad run on the season. But credit to the Bills. They look good and uh, they got the win. The Jets, the Jets, <laughs> who are now ahead of the Dolphins in the AFC East, come away with another upset victory, this time over the Cincinnati Bengals. They're 2-5. and five. Their only wins this year are against the Bengals and the Tennessee Titans of all teams. But they win, and uh, they get a big game from their filling quarterback, White, who was filling in for uh, Zach Wilson. He threw for over 400 yards, and, uh, you know, hey, they hung in there when they could have let that game go and ended up getting a win over the Bengals. That that one stings for Cincinnati because you can't afford to drop those games outside of the division against one of the worst teams in the league. You got to have that. And they were talking, they even said they were talking all week about how this was a trap game and they couldn't take the Jets lightly, but for all that talk, the message simply did not sink in because the Jets came away with one there. And then of course we had the Monday Nighter Kansas City at home to the New York Giants, and boy, you got to say, the Chiefs were not very convincing in this one. They did come away with the win, 20-17, to but just barely, just barely. And these Giants are banged up. They're having an awful season. The Chiefs had them at home, and they still really labored to this win. So uh, all is not great in uh, the land of the Chiefs there. They're still really struggling. Mahomes looked shaky. Uh, He could have thrown three picks easy in this game, uh, it has to be said. He was really trying to force balls in tight windows, uh, but they did come away with the win. So there you go. That closed out the week. So let's move into some major storylines then. The trade deadline, for instance, has come and gone. Not much action this year, and there typically isn't in the NFL. It's still not much of a, a trader's league. Uh, The way that players move around in the NFL is still uh, very much uh, through the draft, through free agency, you know, picking up players off of other teams' practice squads, things of that nature. There aren't too many trades that go on in the NFL. Uh, But one noteworthy trade saw Von Miller, edge rusher for the Denver Broncos, get traded to the L.A. Rams, who are in win-now mode, of course. Uh, A very emotional Von Miller uh, bit a tearful goodbye to the Broncos, but hey, he's going to a contender now and he's going to love it there in LA with the Rams. My Super Bowl pick this year and they only just got stronger. The Rams sent back a second and a third round pick in the upcoming 2022 draft, which is something that they have not been shy about doing. They've traded away a lot of picks. If I'm not mistaken, they've only got two draft picks in the draft now. And both of those are late round picks. But hey, uh, it's it's Super Bowl or bust for the Rams, let's be honest. And uh, Von Miller's definitely going to add another dimension to an already very difficult defense. So, you know, they've got everything to play for. They've got everything in front of them now. And it'll be interesting to see uh, how their season goes and what kind of numbers Von Miller can put up in that defense. You know, Aaron Donald is used to taking double teams and sometimes triple teams on that defensive line, Uh, but they're going to have to pay attention to Von Miller uh, or else he's going to burn him on the edge. So this really makes 
the LA Rams, uh, an even more dangerous team. Other moves uh, in and around the deadline, not so much in the trade, but surprise move perhaps, is that the Green Bay Packers released linebacker Jalen Smith after just two games. Jalen Smith was released by the Cowboys earlier this year. Uh, he was deemed expendable because of the rise of Micah Parsons, who they took in the first round of the draft this year. They had an embarrassment of riches at the linebacker position, and somebody had to go. It was Jalen Smith in the end, who himself was a second-round pick, an early second-round pick a few years ago, uh, so borderline first-round pick. He led the Cowboys in tackles in both 2019 and 2020, but he was the odd man out here, and I was really surprised. I thought at the time when he signed with the Packers, that was a really good signing for them. But, uh, you know, I don't know what's going on there, but uh, he's without a job once again. So we'll see. And then in the no surprise, no movement at the deadline, uh, Deshaun Watson is still a member of the Houston Texans, uh, heavily linked with my Miami Dolphins. I'm on record as saying I don't really want Watson on our team, uh, given uh, the charges that he has against him and the serious nature of those charges. Uh, and really... Uh, this was never going to happen. It may still happen in the offseason. It may still very well be the Dolphins that seem to be the team that is most interested in Watson, uh, unfortunately, i got to say. Uh, but there's, it just was never going to happen that he was going to get traded midseason. His value will never be as low as it is right now with these charges unresolved. And again, the serious nature of these charges, you know, either a team, a team is, is going to treat uh, Watson like kryptonite right now and uh, I find it hard to believe that the Dolphins or anybody else would seriously consider trading for him mid-season before anything has been resolved especially uh, so I, I don't know how true those rumors were or how close those links were I think the offseason will start to bring some answers in that situation but it's no surprise to me that he stayed put he was kind of linked with the Eagles with the Panthers as well but uh, in the end he's going to stay put the Texans are going to eat his entire salary this year, and then we'll see what happens. And now we get to some off-field issues, and uh, it's been a heavy week, it has to be said, in the NFL, and uh, surrounding a couple of guys. I'm going to start with Calvin Ridley, wide receiver of the Atlanta Falcons. This is a guy who uh, came into the league with a bang out of Alabama, goes to the Falcons, gets to be the number two wide receiver behind Julio Jones, rises to stardom, becomes a star. The team feels that they can then get rid of Julio, and so Ridley's ready to be the guy. But he's had his struggles off the field. Not anything to do with uh, crime-related things or, or something like that, uh, but his mental health. And uh, in today's day and age, uh, we are learning more and more about the uh, serious implications of those who struggle with mental health. Uh, there's always been a stigma around it. It's always been something that we never talk about, uh, but should and need to. And, th and these are things that affect us in deep ways. And so Ridley has decided that he's going to take some time away from football. And I got to say, this is a, is a courageous move for him because in the machine that is the National Football League. In this business and in this machine, as I call it, there are so few opportunities for rest. There are so few opportunities to invest in yourself. Everybody is working towards the common goal of winning a Super Bowl. And a lot of the time, if not all of the time, 
this pursuit uh, simply dwarfs all other pursuits. It takes you away from your family. Uh, it takes you away from your other interests. And even though they have an elongated off-season, uh, a lot of time they're dealing with injuries. And before you know it, you've got mini camps starting. You've got the stress of possibly being replaced uh, in the draft or in free agency. There's no loyalty in the league. So the players especially, I find, uh, have so much on their plate and so little time to work on themselves. And I know people are going to say that the Falcons' season is lost and so it really doesn't matter in the end and it's easy for him to walk away. But you know what? It's not easy. And speaking as a guy especially, uh, it's not always easy to talk about what's going on between your ears. It just isn't. And uh, I'm, I'm really happy for Ridley and sad at the same time, but I'm really happy that he's, that he's going to be able to step away, able to work on himself, and hopefully come back all the better. And we'll see what next year brings for him. The other guy I wanted to bring up, and this, this news is uh, fresh and very tragic and sad, is that just today, as I'm recording this, uh, news broke that Henry Ruggs, wide receiver for the Las Vegas Raiders, and also an, an Alabama alum, uh, was in a serious car accident uh, late last night, or in the early hours of the morning, you should say, in Vegas. He was intoxicated, ran into a vehicle at a high speed. The driver of that vehicle uh, died, sadly. Ruggs and uh, the passenger that was with him were injured, treated in hospital, and he's now facing two felony charges. The early indications are that he could be facing anywhere from 2 to 20 years in prison for this. Just a very tragic story, one that elicits a lot of emotion. Uh, it makes me sad to hear this. It makes me mad to hear this, if I'm being honest, because uh, drunk driving is one of those things that really gets me. It really upsets me. I have a little tolerance for it myself. And the consequences, not just talking about jail, but the, the natural consequences, if you will, of of what can and often does happen to people who are involved in drunken car crashes. Uh, it just, uh, it's very difficult to accept. And uh, my heart goes out to the family and friends of, of uh, the woman who lost her life. And now for Ruggs and those around him, and his life is forever changed. And I got to say, you know, I work with a lot of street youth in the city of Toronto and, you know, a lot of stuff has happened in their life. And, and I know that these things, you know, sometimes it's, it's through no decision of your own, but things happen to you and uh, it affects your life. And, and then there are other things that you do have control over. And, you know, when I look at the situations of both Ridley and Ruggs, and they are totally different, but they likewise have come to the point where they have, they have had life-altering moments. In as much as that is true, they are alike. And, you know, I was talking to a coworker just today, and uh, we were talking about the choices we make when we're young, especially, and how those choices impact us for the rest of our lives, for better or for worse. When you're young, you're essentially setting foundations for the future. And, you know, if you set good foundations, then you will be set up well for the future. But if you set bad foundations, you'll be set up poorly for the future. And I just hate to see 
uh, stuff like this happen, where lives are changed in such a dramatic way for the worse. And I just want to say to anyone out there who might be listening, especially if you're a young person, is to pay very close attention uh, to the foundations that you are laying down for yourself. And if you're in a situation where you, for one reason or another, are unable to help yourself, then I just want to encourage you to do a courageous thing and reach out to someone who might be able to help you make those right choices uh, that you need to make for your own well-being. And that really goes for anybody, but especially for young, young folks out there. Do everything you can to set yourself up well for the future. And, uh, and if you need help, then no matter how old you are, then please get help. That's my word on that. And we'll move in now to week nine. I'm pumped about week nine, as I always am for every week. It's a lot of fun. There's, once again, a lot of great games on the schedule. Uh, beyond what your favorite team might be doing, a few games uh, that you might want to check out. Thursday Night Football, we've got the Jets and the Colts. Did this game just get more interesting with the Jets winning? No, probably not. <laughs> but the Jets, if you want to see a young team with some real skill players that are up and coming, uh, you know what? Tune into this game on Thursday night. The Jets have a couple of guys in particular. Michael Carter, rookie out of North Carolina. He's really been turning it up of late. Uh, they've only increased his workload. He's a running back. They've only increased his workload since the season started. He put in a solid week. He had about 170 total yards and a touchdown against the Bengals in that upset win this, this past Sunday. He's a guy to watch. Elijah Moore, rookie wide receiver out of Ole Miss. He's starting to get more looks at the wide receiver spot. So uh, pay attention to him. And uh, on the other side of the ball, the Colts, Jonathan Taylor, uh, he might be the next great running back. He looks great for them. And Michael Pittman uh, seems to be having a breakout year at wide receiver for them as well. So lots of young talent going to be on the field Thursday night. Uh, beyond that, another huge, has to be said, huge divisional battle in the AFC North. This time it's the Browns and the Bengals. The Bengals, of course, coming off this shock loss to the Jets and the Browns coming off a division loss to the Steelers. So they're both going to be pretty upset going into this one. They're both going to want this one real bad. But as we know, there can only ever be one winner. This is going to be a great game. If you can tune into this one on Sunday, definitely give it a watch. In the same vein, any regular listener to this podcast knows the parallels that I have been drawing between the AFC North and the NFC West. And we've got the Cardinals and the Niners coming up this week. The Cardinals, of course, as I've talked about, coming off a big loss at home to the Packers. The Niners beat the Bears last week, so that got them back in the win column. They really needed that one. And you know what? They're they're in must-win mode already. They They've got to keep pace. They've got to get a win over the Cardinals. I don't know if they can do it. It's a tall order. Cards are going to be upset, but that's going to be a great game. I expect it to be close. The Niners looked pretty good on Sunday, so that's another great one. And then finally, the, the Titans and the Rams. And I just got to say, you know, the Rams are 7-1. and one. They're tied atop the NFC West. They look great. They're Super Bowl contenders, maybe Super Bowl favorites. And the Titans, who just 
even though these injuries keep mounting, they somehow keep winning. And I have to, you know, I give them their credit. I honestly, like last week in the Packers-Cardinals game, I really cannot see the Titans winning this game. But I was wrong as, as uh, just last week on that other one. Who knows? Maybe I'm wrong on this one. If the Titans can somehow pull this out, then I will give them huge props next week on the pod. But uh, for now, I, I think it'll be a good game. I think I, I bring it up because I think they'll give the Rams a good fight, but we'll see how it ends up in the very last. That's going to do it for this episode. Thanks once again so much for tuning in, uh, not just to this episode, but to any episode prior and to any episode down the road. Uh, Another plug, you know, it, it helps out a lot if uh, you would like or subscribe uh, on your main provider, whatever that might be, if it's Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple, whatever it might be. Follow on Twitter. If you're on Twitter, please follow uh, Purely Pigskin. It's a pretty active channel now and uh, getting a lot of attention, which is great. And I uh, hope to see you on Twitter, be able to interact with you there. We've also got the Facebook group, which I know many of you are a part of. Thanks again for listening. And we will see you after week nine. Take her easy.